Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and guess who I have back with me today? The magicians. I say magicians because you guys are magical musicians. Emil and Darielle Leakovetsky. And I met them at SmileCon. I don't know if you guys caught that episode. But I wanted to have them back because they have so many different layers of brilliance, gentlemen. And one thing that I love that we picked up on during our time together at SmileCon is your mindset on mindset. So, Emil, Dariel, welcome. Thank you very much for having us. It's an honor. Thank you. And much. by the way, Dr. Tanner, uh, happy belated birthday. It was just your birthday. It's on Facebook. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so it was my 50th. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, it was a here's to the next 125, right? <laughs> and a happy early New Year. We're recording this right before, but I think this is airing right on right after New Year's, correct? It sure is. And so I thought, how appropriate to have you guys to talk about and not just your journey, but during our conversation at SmileCon, it was very much you guys have a we all have ways of doing things, but you you guys know in order to be successful, to step up to the plate, that there has got to be, you know, if I fail, it's okay. If, if if this doesn't turn out okay, and if it's not perfect, it's okay. But you know, having that I cannot imagine being a musician, being up on stage, the stage fright, right? And if something goes wrong or if Dariel is not with you, Emil, or you know, vice versa, if somebody's off, that you just got to keep going. So tell me more, and I know Emil always goes first because you're the oldest, um, some daily practices of your mindfulness or your mindset. Absolutely. And I think that's a very important point that you made, that it's important to be able to not get the optimum outcome and still be okay with yourself. So I think what we do is we kind of try to develop ourselves to be as disciplined as possible so that motivation, it's a great thing, but motivation won't always be there. There will be days where you don't feel your best. You don't want to do the things that you have to do, but you have to have enough discipline to push yourself to go through it. And I think that also stems upon, you know, working on your self-esteem, developing yourself to try something. And even if you fail, having enough discipline and self-esteem to say, okay, you know, I failed. What did I do wrong? How can I improve? Instead of being, oh, I failed, so I'm a failure. You know what I mean? And that's, I think, is what we together 
with all the work that we have done being musicians and, you know, going to dental school, have tried to develop ourselves to kind of become these disciplined people as much as we can, you know, and we're not perfect. We all make mistakes. We all do things that are, you know, not ideal, but I think that's just an important mindset to develop, to just have the courage and the discipline to keep pushing yourself forward, even when it doesn't feel like something you want to do. Yeah. Discipline. What about you, Dario? I would say, I was just thinking of that word, discipline. Discipline is the, the thing that keeps us on track to our goals. So like the first step, I think, for any pursuit for us has always been determining what we want. And once we know what we want, we just stay disciplined on that track. So we always talk about, okay, we need to be crystal clear about what our goals are. And once we are crystal clear about what our goals are, then we know that we cannot let ourselves deviate from those goals. So the same lessons apply to dental school. And I would imagine running a practice, I see how disciplined our dad is in running his practice and so many dental professions that we look up to. Um, Being a musician is that same kind of discipline. So we learned a lot from being in showbiz and playing an instrument. Things don't always work out the first time. And as a matter of fact, they never work out the first time. There's so much pushing and pushing and pushing. But if that goal is crystal clear, the discipline becomes much easier. So I think we were always very intentional about setting clear goals and then following through on those goals with discipline. So what I'm hearing also, too, is that you're both aligned on that. You dig in and you do whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. So that's almost like a team mindset. You know, you guys are a team, but then if you take this and you transpose it into dentistry, the dental field, the dental team, or any area of life, it still plays. Correct. And I think that's the most important thing that you just learn to push yourself through and strive towards success, no matter how challenging it is. Because as long as you can do that, you will overcome any obstacle. You know, we've all had, you know, situations in dental school where it's like, you know, you'll fail an exam or you'll do poorly on this. And it's nobody's immune to that. Nobody, you know, no matter what they say, nobody's immune to that. The difference is, do you just let that determine who you are and let that set you back? Or do you just push through it and persevere? And another thing you touched on with teams, um, I think it's very important. We've, we've realized what our strengths and weaknesses are. We know very well that we're not the same person. There's plenty of things Emil does better than me. There's things I do better. So we've discovered to rely on each other. It's much more productive to rely on each other as opposed to just trying to be great at everything. And I think that translates perfectly to being in a dental team setting. Um, there's things certain team members excel at. So why not let them flourish with that? And we're learning from each other all the time about how we can rely on each other more. And we call each other for help on different things all the time. So when I have a few things to say, but the first thing I want, I was thinking about too, is that when you guys are up on stage and let's just say that you made a mistake, how do you recover from that? Like, how do you get out of your own head to say, oh no, oh no, oh no. I got to catch back up or whatever that is. How do you recover from that? Like, what is the advice? So I think when you're first starting out, it's a lot more challenging to comprehend, like to, to process that because you have this idea that, okay, I'm on stage. Everybody's judging me. I have to be perfect. And otherwise, if I'm not perfect, everybody in the stage is going to want to imprison me for life or like (laughs) something like that. Right. When in reality, you're that all the best musicians, they all make mistakes. They all get in the zone and they, you know, do something wrong or realize something is off. And when you realize that for the most part, like being a musician, your mistake is not really a mistake. It's just something may sound a little off for like 0.5 of a second and that's it. So like 
once it happens, you realize that it doesn't really matter that much. What matters is how you internalize it. So what we found is that people won't notice that you make a mistake unless you make it obvious that you made a mistake. And so like a lot of times we've had a situation where it's like one of our strings would break or something and we have to switch parts and like, we're just like, we give each other a look, we switch and that's it. And like, nobody even notices anything, you know, we just keep going with it because as long as you're having a good time and you know what you're doing and you're pushing through, nobody's going to be there and be like, you played the wrong note, like, you know, <laughs> you know? And so once, once you realize that a few times, I think this is like more for being on stage, you just... It, it doesn't affect you that much. It's like, eh, okay, whatever. Yeah, I tell people, I'm like, it, it's like a wedding. You know, it's it's not a mistake. Nobody, no one knows what it should sound like unless it's you and you're like, oh man, like you said, it's 0.5 seconds. But same as being a speaker too. Unless you say, oh man, that's, that was in the wrong order or oh, I forgot to put that in there. No one knows the difference. And Dr. Mark Hyman calls those the, I know you love me talking about Dr. Mark Hyman too, but he calls those the whiskers. He's like, what kind of whiskers, things that people don't want to see when they're going to enjoy something? Yeah. That's one thing I've really touched on is the spotlight effect. I think you being in the speaking world, that's, that's something you've probably experienced a lot of. Obviously, all the attention is on you, but you know how the order of things, you know how things would be in a perfect world but your audience isn't aware of how things would be in a perfect world. So in your head, you could just be thinking the whole time, I messed it up, I messed it up, I messed it up, I messed it up. When in reality, people are like, wow, this is going great. I'm really enjoying this and they don't know. So like, to what Emil said, I think when we're on stage, we very much try to have a rock and roll attitude, which we practice and we try to get everything done as perfectly as possible. But once we're on stage, we kind of let go of that and just let ourselves be free. And if something goes a little differently, you know what? That's, that's what happened in the moment. Let's spin it around. Let's make it fun. And to make a point on top of what Darren was saying, I think as a clinician, it's another thing to know how to control the narrative of the situation. So like as a clinician, you may run into a situation where you're doing a crown prep on a tooth and the decay may be much more extensive than, than you know, what you thought. So what are you going to do? You're going to go, oh, man, this is, like, are you going to make a big scene and make the patient feel whole? Or like, no, you just say, okay, this is where we're at. We're going to fix it. We have a solution. You control the narrative, you know? And these things happen, especially medically speaking. Mistakes happen. There's a reason why all of our practice insurance exists. And there's all, things happen. Not where, where it's called the practice of medicine, the practice of dentistry. So nobody's going to be perfect and learning how to just be able to accept that things won't always go perfectly and you just need to know how to manage that. I think that's a very, very healthy mindset to develop. And I think too, that people appreciate the fact and it builds, it instills trust even deeper with the patient. If you stop, you sit the patient up and you say, this is what we found. And this is what I thought. Um, this is the best course of treatment. We didn't anticipate this with anything, right? And if you're, if you have that, that vulnerability and that honesty that there can, that, that builds on the next thing. It's the patients who sue you, who you don't have that conversation with. And they're going, why didn't they ever tell me that? That I had to go to another doctor for them to tell me that this was messed up or that the file went through the apices of the, whatever, right? Whatever the error was. But I, I, I find that when you're honest with people about what's happened and you just say, Hey, couldn't anticipate this. It's here we are. The bit that people want you to be successful. 
People ultimately, whether you're on the stage, whether I'm on the stage, whether we're doing dentistry, the patients, the audience wants you to be successful. So they're not going to boo you for um, a fouled note of a, you know, a break in a string. They're going to, they're going to watch to see how you're recovering. Right. Right. And I think that that's a similar thing in terms of clinical. Like if you have a patient, they want their doctor to be confident in what they're doing. They don't want to feel like they chose somebody who the minute something goes a little bit, you know, south, they just give up and, you know, that's it. Like, no, that's nobody wants to feel like that. So just having that confidence and that just comes from being passionate about what you're doing and, you know, taking the time to really invest yourself and, you know, being disciplined, be motivated, whatever you want to call it. As long as you're on the right track and you know what you're doing, you'll be okay. All right. So I have a, I have a, a question for you. It may be a loaded question, but I don't know. So when you guys, so we've talked a lot about teamwork, anticipating potential errors, how you recover from those things, how you lean into other people's strengths, because your strengths are your strengths and, you know, they may be your weaknesses. And so in a dental team, when you're real time and you're realizing, crap, I probably shouldn't have done that or I should have relied on that person to do that because that's in their strength. How are you guys going to take this and and apply this to your dental teams when you go out and you start practicing as an associate, as a solo dentist, whatever you end up doing? How are you going to say to your team, okay, team, we're going to structure it like this. Here are my strengths. Here are yours. Let me know, like, what is, have you guys thought about this? Yeah. You want to- yeah. I mean, so, you know, when, when it comes to working with other people, I think, especially in a practice setting, communication and training are the most important thing. Because a lot of times you will have mistakes that are made. And usually those mistakes are made when you have a new doctor who's working with new staff in a new office and everything is new, right? Nothing has been established. Nobody knows who anybody is. Nobody knows who does what, who's good at that. And that's what kind of leads to those types of situations happening because there's just a lack of communication. If you spend the appropriate amount of time training your staff, training yourself, training together, you know, it's, it's a very important thing so that you know who you're working with, they know who they're working with, and you kind of can develop that relationship based on that and communicating, you know, like when I work with other staff, um, I tell them, look, if you think I'm making a mistake, like just, you know, tap me on the and just say, Hey doctor, you know, like we, we need to have these kinds of things in place because I'm human. Other people are human. We can all make mistakes. There's, I, I, I never think that your ego should get big enough to where you think that you can't make a mistake, you know? And if everybody feels comfortable that they're able to communicate and they know that their opinion will be you know, heard and understood and respected, then I think you'll have much less likelihood of having those situations occur in the first place. Yeah, and to add to what Emil was saying, uh, Dr. Hyman always talks about, uh, at UNC, he talks about building a team and what makes a productive team, what makes a successful team. And so much of that, of his training, is around humility. He is very humble around his team. And he's very open and it doesn't seem like there's a barrier between how he communicates with another doctor, how he communicates with any of his team members. So it seems like a safe environment to work in where, hey, if somebody made a mistake, wouldn't it be better if the team member were to tell the doctor, hey, I just I just made a boo-boo. But instead of just trying to hide it and sweep it under the rug and then bigger problems happen and then everybody's just afraid of telling the doctor because, oh, if I tell them, they may fire me. As opposed to, hey, I made a mistake. Here's what I did wrong. 
here's how I plan on working and making sure that it doesn't happen again. That I feel like having an open um, conversation, an open environment that feels safe to all the team members. I feel like that's the most important thing. So everybody feels comfortable in the office. And I feel like you're talking about a team culture. Right. As well, of, of that culture of trust and humility. And because many times you think that you're, you're right in line, that you're doing exactly what you need to do, that you've handled things the right way, but we all have blind spots. And so it's also that ability for someone to say, mm, you know, this, when this happened, this made me feel this way. And then for you, for everyone to have that space of neutrality almost to say, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. How did, how did, tell me how that played out for you. That, that takes a lot of work. That takes the, the, you have to, you must set the ego aside to do that. So how do you guys see this working out for, you know, real time with your team? I mean, do you, do you think that it will be easier for you all because you get it and you tend that you are going to attract team members like that? Do you, do you guys think that it's just part of your essence that you'll end up attracting folks like that? I think when you are looking for team members, that's something that you have to kind of screen for, like somebody who's a good team player, right? Not somebody who's going to be running their own rogue operation. Because you do see that sometimes for like certain staff members. It's like, like, what are you even doing here? Like you're running your own thing here on the side, you know? And that's not a good thing when you're working in a team. You have to have, it's like a family, right? Everybody has to be on the same page. We all have the same goals and we all have to communicate and work together to accomplish those things. And I think if you have that set where it's a non-toxic environment, where everybody knows they're freely open to express themselves and they will be heard, then I think that that will just lend itself, you know, to that type of situation. And I do think the doctor sets the tone for the culture in the office. Because you're, whoever is the leader of the office, if you build a practice, it's up to you to send, set the tone and set this is how we are going to treat patients. So I think we do, have a, um, we do have a little bit of a head start given that we've been working together and we know each other's strengths and weaknesses very well. And we've developed this very honest attitude with each other when we know one of us is better and we always know who's, who's doing well at something and who's, who's just, it's not their strength. We'll delegate it to the other person to say, hey, clearly you're doing this thing way better. So we have a really good communication down. And hopefully that'll attract team members also that can be honest with us too. I think honesty is a really big thing in a team. If we can set an environment where everybody feels comfortable and honest, um, I think that's that's a winning team right there. I agree. I see s you guys so many times when I'm consulting with practices, the doctor's will in theory say here's how i want it but then the doctor step back and expect for it to play out in other ways with someone else handling it and making folks be accountable for it so what is your suggestion on that like what role does will you all play or does the doctor play in holding people accountable because i mean if you think about it any other business owner they want to work I mean, they are working in the business and on the business, but their day-to-day, -day, they may not want it to be the, the human resource management part of it. So what do you think is the, is the right answer for that doctor who knows that they want a certain culture, who doesn't want to be so involved in the day-to-day -day of like, okay, who's run the water lines and who 
you know, what happened with that patient and at the end of the day, kind of doing a debrief. Like, how do you think you should handle that? How, how should an office handle that? So from what I've seen, this is just my personal opinion. Um, I think a lot of times doctors are either afraid or reluctant to kind of put themselves within the same team as the staff. There's like sometimes a little bit of a hierarchy, right? So it's like, I'm the doctor and everybody else is the staff. So I can't do this. This is not something I should be doing. And I think ultimately when you're running a business, you have to be able and willing to do everything. And you nothing can be above or below. You, know, it has to, you just have to be willing to do everything. And I think when staff work with somebody like that, that they see that they're motivated and they're willing to help with the big picture, right? The operation, the business. I think that'll motivate them to be you know, more in tune with what needs to be done and be more motivated to work. Because a lot of times what happens is you'll have this kind of, like I said, hierarchy. So the doctor's like, okay, I'm the doctor. I'm going to only do this and everybody else has to do this. And then they're like, well, why isn't this getting done? And the staff is just like, well, like, you know, they don't really care because they don't see that the doctor is motivated to do that. Whereas you'll have somebody else who's a little bit more involved, more in tune with the staff, more in tune with the operation, and they'll actually participate themselves. That creates a very different environment because it shows that all hands are on deck. Everybody's involved. It's not just, oh, you do this for me. You know, It's like, we're all a part of this. We're all working together towards the same goal. Let's make this happen. And so I think sometimes you have to not be, you know, oh, I can't do this. I don't want to be a part. You have to be a part of it. If it's an operation, if you ultimately want to succeed, you're going to have to get your hands a little dirty. You know, that's, that's just my opinion. Yeah. To add to what Emil was saying, it, how uninspiring is it to not to have a leader who is now willing to do whatever it takes to make their practice successful? I think as the, this analogy has been used a million times, but the doctor is the quarterback of the operation. So the quarterback is not just somebody calling the shots off field. You're right there. You're just somebody who's been delegated with a little more responsibility. So because it's your practice, it's your baby, you have that additional responsibility. But you're very much supposed to be there and show up. So like we try to do that with everything that we do. We're never too good for something. We're always we're putting in more work than just about anybody uh, besides us doing anything. Even if they have a role where they're supposed to be on paper doing more, it's okay. We're there. We're earlier than everyone. We're later than everyone. We're always showing up and putting in a thousand percent. So I think that, and that's just the mindset thing, right? It's not like, oh, I can do anything. It's just a matter of like, nothing is beneath me, right? There's nothing that I'm too good to do. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to be willing to do whatever you need to do. And I think too, there are, there are doctors that I've worked with and seen that do feel that and also they're all in. But when it comes down to it, like you said, Emil, you know, they don't want to cause like a rift. They don't want to get, they don't want to get into the intricacies to upset folks that they kind of have an intermediate, intermediary person to do, have those conversations for which they're relying on. But that person doesn't always have the clinical know-how or wherewithal to have those conversations sometimes, you know, depending on who that person is. So, what I'm hearing from you all is it first starts with the culture and who you are as a person. <clears throat> but what type of advice do you think that you would give to a doctor saying who who has the situation that knows what the problem is? They know that it needs to be fi fixed, but they need to step up and go into it. What kind of advice or what would you have to say to them? 
I mean, I hate to oversimplify it, but just fix the problem. Like <laughs> seriously, like a lot of, I think this is like a really, uh, this is a real valid point that you're making. A lot of people, they live their life in this constant state of, they know what needs to be done. They know how to do it, but they just won't do it. And so it's like, like figure out whatever you need to figure out. I know that we're not all, you know, equal motivated or disciplined, whatever you want to call it. But like, if you know that something needs to be done and you're not doing it, that's going to cause anxiety and all sorts of problems for you. Like that's why you feel bad. And that's why you end up oh, going on Facebook on dental clinical pearls or whatever and asking these questions. Like, what should I do? Like a lot of times we know the answer to these questions. And sometimes like hard things need to happen. Like it has to be a difficult conversation. Yeah, sometimes you have to do that. Unfortunately, not everything has an easy answer to it. And so I think, you know, if you know as a doctor what needs to happen and you know that you need to have a conversation for something, just have a conversation with that person. And it'll go either one of two ways. Either it'll go really, really well and you'll fix the problem or it'll go poorly and, you know, you may lose that person or something else will change. And then you figure it out at that point. That's it. That's my opinion. Yeah. I would, I very much agree with what Emil said about not overcomplicating when you know there's a problem. It's like if there's a team member that needs to be fired and we've, we've seen these kinds of situations growing up in a family where our dad's a dentist and he's talked about these things like, okay, there's a team member that needs to go. He knows it. Everybody else in the, in the office knows it. If that's the case, you, yes, it's uncomfortable. It's like a breakup. There's no comfortable <laughs> breakup conversation. It's, it, it's not easy, but if you know it and everybody knows it, then it's, it's just something that you need to get, get your stuff together and get it done. So, um, yeah, not overcomplicating it. I like, I like yeah. just doing it. We as, as humans are very, it's very interesting. We're so good at overcomplicating the simplest of things. You know, it's, it's just, that's what we're wired. We always try to make things more complicated than they need to be. Yeah. And it's, it's, and with the climate of, well, I mean, I say this, I've been in dentistry for 30 years, but it's the, the team dynamic has always been there and it's never easy to break up with someone to rip the bandaid off and just say, Hey, here's the problem. Because, um, sometimes you think it'll get better. or Sometimes you think that if you nudge them in certain ways or say, how can I support you, that it will get better. And the person sometimes just isn't intrinsically motivated to fix that, or they don't see how it makes a difference or, or whatever. They're not aligned with you. So what I, what I find too, is that some, okay, this isn't meant to be any kind of way you guys, but a lot of, a lot of dentists are introverts. And they, they need empathy. They need to develop the empathy to have the conversation that, that needs to be had, which is simple. So how would, I mean, how did you guys develop empathy? How did you guys know the right things to say? Because in theory, absolutely, exactly what you're saying is what we should all do in every aspect of our life with my children. I mean, shoot, you know, with my parents, you know, just, just talk about it. Yeah, but it's mom or dad and they, you know how they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think ultimately it all comes down to experience and living through these things yourself. We've all made mistakes and done things that we shouldn't have done. And then you suffer the consequences of it. Right. And so I think 
Like, okay, so to, to your example, let's say a doctor cannot have that conversation. Well, then the alternative is to live with that situation for a few more months, years, whatever, and then see what the consequences. And sometimes those consequences will be enough to push the person to be like, you know what, I have to do something about this. And that's okay. Some people take some longer to come to the same conclusions. That's okay. We're all different. We're all wired differently. And some of us, like you said, are more introvert. But ultimately, like, you just have to experience things. You have to understand that every action you do, it has consequence, it has a reaction, right? And as long as you live through it and you understand that, you know, you're going to make a choice and not making a choice is also making a choice. It's just going to have a reaction. And as long as you're okay with those consequences, you know, see what happens. And going back to one thing we talked about earlier on, those clear goals, I think if you if you know what your goals are and you see somebody who's not aligning with those goals, it be, it becomes much easier to let them go because you're actually doing them a favor, your your baby, your practice a favor by not keeping somebody who's not meant to be there there. And I feel like a lot of people in the dental profession are highly intelligent people who've made it through school, so much schooling, built a practice. If you're a person who's had that much intelligence, you sh you sh most likely know when the what the right call is, when it's time to let somebody go. And if your gut is telling you, man, I just feel ah, just some it's off. And I feel like we always know when it's right to let somebody go or to have a tough conversation or to push the practice in another direction. So I think it's being clear with those goals and just following through. And that's discipline. Back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So discipline to follow through. So based on what you all are saying and what you're experiencing, you think that you've learned a lot of lessons from your father, from music, to be able to take this and say, here's what we've learned as humans to overcome things, to have that discipline, to know when things don't feel right, to know how to have humility, to have empathy that meets your end goal. Do you, do you think that you know, you're watching your father, it was like you said, going through it, but you've heard a lot of conversations, you've seen a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. Do you feel like that that's helped develop you? Yeah, I think ultimately experience is experience and it doesn't necessarily have to happen to you, right? It just, uh, different people learn differently. And I think for us, being a part of, you know, and then in a household growing up with somebody who runs a practice and seeing how things work, I think that definitely helped a lot It's in terms of, you know, having not firsthand, but maybe secondhand experience. And it's just a matter of how you process that, you know, some people may not learn that way for us. I mean, me personally, I think that was very helpful. I definitely learned a lot. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was very interesting seeing our dad solve problems. And um, even in a, from a perspective of seeing how he solves them and us talking about it, like we, he handled that great. And some problems are like, oh, we probably would have, he, he should have handled that sooner. And then we'll talk to him about it. And he's like, oh yeah, I should have handled that sooner. So it's like, it's nice to see somebody going through it and it's, it's never perfect. And we'll probably make tons of mistakes once we build our dream practice. It, it can be perfect. But I think that gave us a lot of lessons over time, just seeing him run an office and, and dealing with people. It's, it's so many, so many different situations come up as patient management it's those emergencies whether or not to take on certain cases uh, problematic staff there's there's so much so it's i think it's been very beneficial seeing him go through that and i think it's beneficial that you all have those conversations as a family i was just talking with um, my daughter about this how 
um, we how different families are different, right? And some families talk about their emotions. Some are just like, Mm-mm, that's off the table. We talk about this. We don't really talk about that. But I think that it it helps us to to talk through our feelings, our emotions, those those different contexts of how it is affecting us. Like, hey, when I when this happened, this is how I experienced it, and how could I be better for that? Because you know, like we were talking about earlier with blind spots, until another person knows about that, it's, they can't grow. Right. So uh, I, I applaud your family for talking about emotions and feelings and decision-making because that is a point of vulnerability as well for your father. Yeah, absolutely. I think as growing older, we, as we got more into the dental world, we kind of realized how um, nobody's perfect. When we were kids, we thought our dad had everything figured out. And we realized even after practicing for over 30 years, still there's always lessons to learn. And I think anybody who says there's nothing left for them to learn is either flat out lying or just so close minded that they can't see how much more there is to learn. There's so much new research, new technologies, new, even in management, there's always new things. The fundamentals stay the same, but there's so many new things to learn. So I think us having those conversations with our dad have been something that inspired us to try to be even more humble and just approach it with mind. And it just goes back to the point that you have to be okay with not knowing everything. You have to be okay with not being perfect because sometimes I think in medicine and dentistry, there is this thing where like, okay, I read the last book. I know the last thing. There's nothing else for me to learn. And there's like a mindset like that. And you can't be like that. You always have to be ready that tomorrow everything that you taught has been wrong you know it's 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 things change so fast and you have to be willing to change your mindset and adapt to it because otherwise you're going to get stuck we all know those clinicians that are still doing things you know the way they learned them 40 50 years ago and it's like we don't do things like that anymore for a reason times have changed things have changed so it's just about having enough humility and not being so attached to yourself that you cannot process learning something new and just admitting, okay, maybe I've been doing things wrong. You know, that's okay. It doesn't mean yeah. that you're of a person. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Just like, that's how you learn. That's it. Or it's changed. You know, as a program director, I have to calibrate, I get to calibrate my faculty and the dentist and talk about new upcoming trends, techniques of, and some of the docs who work with us, they're they're awesome. They're talented. They're tired. And some of the, some of the concepts are like, Hey, we used to think this, now we know this. And it's like, what? And it's, so the conversations have to change, but they have humility and they're able to say, Hmm, didn't think about that. Never, but, but the, but the people part of it and how to run the practice there, you know, that part doesn't change because humans are humans are humans. But I think it's the ability to step back and out of self to say, what does, what, like to y'all's point, what is the goal? Who are we trying to serve? What is the end point of what we're trying to accomplish here is the we of the team. Right. hundred percent. Humility. It's humility is such, I feel like such an important factor in just about anything, managing any team in any environment. Humility is number one. Because if you're not humble enough to realize where your shortcomings are and what somebody else can offer you, then you're limiting yourself severely. I love this so much. So what kind of goals do you guys have for this year? Do you know? Have you set your goals for this year? Make a list of them. Make a list. Yeah, I've been so busy. 
honestly, I think just, you know, continuing to work hard. I'm in my second year of residency, going to be starting my third year of residency, you know, just um, working hard on that, getting as much experience as I can clinically, you know, and Daryl just, you know, finish yeah. up what, D3 year now? I'm going to finish up D3 year, go into fourth year of dental school at UNC, and then the whole fun of applying to residency programs begins after. So I think it's more of the same for us. We're focused towards our goals. We've established clear goals a while ago about what we want for our lives and the kind of clinicians we want to be. And I think at this point, it's just about we're in that discipline stage. So we have our goals and they're established. So at this point, it's about the discipline to follow through for us to stay on track to stay motivated to, and there are those days where we don't want to do it, but we keep reminding ourselves, this is the goal. Remember, remember, this is the dream. We can't give each other a reason not to make that happen. We can't, we, we can't fall short. One of us, if one of us falls short, then we're hurting the other person. So we crack it up. So yeah, we're in the discipline stage. I love that. Any final words for the listeners? Thank you so much for having us. It's been so much fun. Um, <laughs> I would say for happy year of the dragon, this is going to be a good year. I didn't realize it was the year of the dragon. I need to catch up on my stuff. <laughs> I, so I was born in 2000. So I'm born year of the dragon. So every 12 years. So I just did the math. He keeps track of that stuff. Very, very. Yeah. He knows when it's the dragon. It's going to be my year. What? Okay, good. High fives. Yeah, high fives. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys uh, keep keep rocking it. I, I don't know when I'll see you again. I, when is your next upcoming musical event? Ooh, so we will be opening the Hinman in Atlanta, Georgia in March. I believe it's March 20 something in the 20s. 21st through 23rd, I believe. So that'll be fun. Opening up the that, We have some fun surprises in store for that. Okay. Okay. I'm a, I cannot wait to see you all be, well, you're, you're already successful, but your continued success. Congratulations on that. And I'm hoping to see you all in person soon again. And thank you so much. It's been an honor to be with you here. Let me know how I can support you. Dr. Tanner, the honor is ours. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Okay. Well, to our listeners. Thank you so much for being a part of our show today and following the dental handoff. If you don't mind, go on over to Apple and you guys, what should they do? Five stars. stars. All the stars. All the stars. All, all stars. And then go on over to YouTube, like, subscribe, and share because your friends need to know all this stuff about mindset and people and empathy and what it takes to be successful in your life um, and, and, and everything that you do. But thanks for all that each of you all do every day to serve the public for your communities. Be well, my friends. Happy New Year. We'll see you soon. Take care. Tanner, appreciate it. Bye-bye. Happy-